Koppel, host of the Time for Coffee podcast, where you get firsthand career advice into the jobs and industries that interest you the most. And before we start today's show, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you haven't already, I'd be incredibly grateful if you give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And if you're like me, you need to do it now because you'll forget later and because it's the best way to help others who may be in search of career advice to find this free resource. So press pause if you haven't done it and do it right now. I'll wait. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Java junkies, welcome back to another Espresso Shots episode of T4C. If you're interested in breaking into the field of grief counseling or maybe even becoming an ordained minister, then this is the episode for you because my next guest earned her master's in divinity from the Chicago Theological Seminary, is an ordained UCC minister, that's United Church of Christ minister, and a certified grief counselor. But before I introduce you to Melissa Duer, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's T4C's newsletter that is packed with career insights and inspiration, as well as the tools to help you level up your job search and career journey. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four, coffee.org, and the sign-up box is right there. Now, my Java lovers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Melissa Duer, an ordained United Church of Christ minister and a certified grief counselor. Since her mother's death in 2005, Melissa has been passionate about helping those who grieve and supporting them through their journey. And we're talking not just about individuals, but companies with employees, all parts of our work life and our personal life. Four years later, in 2009, Melissa became a Stephen Ministry Leader through her work at the United Church of Christ, the UCC Church. She trained those who work with others and supported many within her UCC Church family during their most challenging days. Melissa is known and recognized for her gifts as a compassionate listener, faithful optimist, and knowledgeable confidant. Earlier in her career, after earning a master's in education from the University of Virginia and a BA in education from DePaul University, Melissa taught in elementary school and worked with diverse populations. She's also taught English language acquisition, known as ELA, at the college level. Melissa currently teaches through webinars, facilitating retreats, and speaking engagements. Her passion is to acknowledge and address the grief we will all eventually experience and have certainly experienced over the last couple of years since the pandemic hit. Understand the impacts of loss while gently helping others walk through dark days back into the light of hope. Melissa, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated out there in Colorado and ready to go? 
I am. I have my mug to chug. Thank you. All right. You know, it's hard for me. You're the first person with this profile that I've had the pleasure of interviewing. And I was thinking like, it's not the kind of like, woohoo, let's get going. Let's dive into this super upbeat topic. But maybe I'm just going about it wrong. What do you think? I think that faith is about being upbeat, right? It's about holding on to something that can lead us through dark days and help us connect with with our destiny. What is our soul asking of us? Why are we here? What are we meant to be? I think it goes together with your ministry of helping people find their jobs, right? Like what sings to your soul? What reason are you here? Allow for you to make the world a better place. Oh, that is so beautiful. So let's dive into these 10 espresso shots to help our young listeners who feel called, who feel pulled by their faith to go in that direction professionally. What entry-level jobs, Melissa, are available to young people who want to get into some kind of ministry? Well, I think it's passion-based. There's a lot of um, opportunities for social justice issues. I think a lot of social activists are faith-based. There's opportunities at camps. There's opportunities at churches to be an intern and see, you know, what goes on behind the scenes. Do you want to be a formal type of minister or do you want to live out a passion that's faith-based that is changing the world for the better? So the door is very open. It's really as much as you can dream of and wherever your heart leads you, I think, is your ministry. So in other words, they can volunteer. (laughs) They can also have an entry-level job working, whether it be at the UCC or whatever church it may be. Church, it can be at a non-for-profit. There's a lot of mission-minded work that happens. You know, internship, one of the organizations I'm closely associated with is called Common Hope, and it's out of Guatemala, where people are there helping children get their school, their social work, their medical needs met. And that's a great thing to do for a year, especially if you're fluent in Spanish, right? But the world needs so much help and love. And I think that that's a great way to enter ministry because it really is about a calling and a passion that you feel deeply in your bones. What about a useful, hard and soft skill? that you've looked for over the years in the young people that you've hired? What qualities and frankly, what skills do you think are really useful to have? I think empathy is a very important thing to have, but empathy also requires experience, right? So what are your experiences? I came to ministry because of grief, so I can talk directly to it because I understand it. Until you get those experiences, for sure, sympathy, right? a desire to hear and to understand what's going on and kind of listen for emotions beneath the surface. What are people really saying when they're saying they're angry? Can you discern something more? Are you an empath, right? Do you pick up on these feelings? And I think one skill that we all need is listening, active listening. And culturally, we have something called conversational narcissism, where someone's opening up to us, and then we make it up about ourselves. I know exactly how you feel. So the ability to sort of gauge that and become a great listener, I think will carry you far in any kind of service project. What about a hard skill? 
a hard skill. There's a lot of reading and writing in ministry, right? You have to have this sort of intellectual prowess because you're taking the gospels and bringing those to life, at least in Christianity, right? Bringing those gospels to life. So it's ancient lessons and how are they relevant today? And there's a lot of reading and there's a lot of writing, and a lot of studying. So if you want to go into formal ministry, just know a sermon is basically writing a 20 page paper every week. Oh, oh my <laughs> God. That is such a great way to visualize this and think about how did you feel in school about writing a 20 page paper? Imagine doing that every week. And then you have to write it and then you have to present it. Right. So public speaking, if you want to be at the pulpit or in a congregation setting. You don't want to have issues standing up in front of a group and talking. Completely. You can acquire these skills. You don't have to have them perfected before you. This is all part of the process. Few. What about someone's major, Melissa? Is it a deciding factor to get into the field of ministry? In other words, if they haven't studied it, is it a deal breaker? No, it's not a deal breaker. I did, I did not study religion and philosophy in my undergrad program. No, the kids that did had an advantage when the first semester class was the history of Christian thought and we were covering you know, 1600 years of material. If you've already touched on that, um, you're at a distinct advantage. And what about a grad school degree? I know you've got a couple of them. If someone really wants to succeed in this field to become an ordained minister, is it essential to have that grad school degree? And if so, what do you recommend they study? Yes. To be an ordained minister, I believe in almost every denomination, it requires a master's of divinity, which is the actual largest master's program there is. It's 75 graduate hours and it's, it's necessary for the ordination, but ordination is a long process as well, where the church has to vet you and your intentions and why you want to do this. And then they sponsor you. And there's a lot of process that's happening concurrently to that master's degree to get to ordination. When you're in divinity school, the curriculum's pretty much set. You're not necessarily picking a major within the divinity program because it's so comprehensive. And actually, I left still wanting more classes. I didn't get everything that I felt like I needed. And there's another master's that's eight more classes, I think, because so many of us leave feeling like there's more. (laughs) I think that's actually kind of cool because this hunger for more knowledge, for more understanding is certainly it's what fuels me. In what I'm doing, I just love to learn. And I can imagine as somebody who is guiding people through the challenges in their life, having more knowledge can only be to your advantage. I underestimated jumping into my Master's of Divinity, how much intellectual and academic rigor was involved. It, It was significant. It's no joke. Is it possible to give us a quick example of like where you felt, gosh, I could use more. I could have used more. Well, in the biblical text, right, you could spend, there's people who do dissertations on a single book in the Bible. So all we get is sort of this cursory glance at it where, you know, you'd probably want to delve in deeper. And that's why a lot of ministers end up getting their demon and 
finding a passion project and they end up working on that for two or three years to the point of studying something to having a publishable work as a final product. What do you mean by demon? Doctorate of ministry. Sorry. No problem. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) Great. What about life experiences, Melissa? What in your experience have you found to be the most useful types of life experiences that someone might have coming into this field? Well, I think it's anything that's really kind of tested your face. And by that, I don't mean that it has to be like, oh, it was a God moment and everything was perfect. I think the call can come through the losses and the struggles and making sense. And the doubt even is a healthy aspect of what dynamic faith is, right? That this is dynamic. It's not static. You don't have your faith and then you're good, right? It's always being tested and challenged and and moved around and hopefully to be more comprehensive, more inclusive of what is all happening in life. I think people who are inclined to see the connectivity of humans to the world and humans to one another are really kind of drawn to this because it's a way of making meaning. Religions are human constructs, right? They're stories that we have used since the beginning of time to make sense of our life and the existence. And so it doesn't really matter which religion, right? We understand that these are made for people to bring meaning and understanding to their journey. And I would have to imagine that anyone from any background has incredibly valuable real experiences that will speak to their flock. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was one of the reasons I doubted my call (laughs) because I didn't look like the ministers that I had growing up, right? That there was a, a stereotype of this white man with gray hair and with lots of long conversations, you know, with God praying for clarity. I'm like, why me? And the response I got was, why not you? Right? People need to be able to see themselves in each other. And I think that I speak to a certain demographic of women who need to be ministered to. I was raising my kids in a lovely suburb outside of Chicago and recognizing that there's a lot of pain behind beautiful front doors, right? That you don't have to be hungry or without a home to be experiencing some crisis issues. And I could speak to that. I knew the pressures of their life and the mandates of keeping up the facade and how difficult that was and how many women were very much struggling. So that was part of my ministry that I could talk to these people and everybody needs somebody. I love that. And it reminds me of when I was 16 years old and my family had gone on a cruise and we were standing on the bow of the ship where there were all these tanned people or people trying to get tans lying on their deck chairs, sipping pina coladas or whatever it was. And my father said to me, Andrea, most men and women, of course, most people lead lives of quiet desperation. And he was quoting, is that Henry David Thoreau? I I don't believe it is. I believe it is. So it was just like, what you were saying about how it doesn't matter what your front door looks like, whether it has holes in it or whether it's gold, gilded gold, right? 
it doesn't shield you from pain and suffering. Melissa, what has been the best part for you of being in this profession, being in this world? It is a humbling privilege for someone to come and place their fragile vulnerability in your hands and say, help me. And I I take it as that. It is very much a privilege. And to be able to walk beside somebody and get them to a new place where the sun is shining again and they're seeing light and hope and being with them during those dark days, it's just such a gift to me that I'm, I've been trusted with their heartache is amazingly powerful. And what about the flip side? What is the part of that type of work that sucks the most? It, it can be draining, as you can imagine, right? When you're holding a lot of hurt from a lot of different people and sort of understanding that need for self-care and not taking on all of these issues and keeping a boundary, right? Being able to be empathetic and be there with them, but then being able to stop it and not completely take on all of their pain and agony, right? I can't be a sponge. So that delineation is always, I think, a challenge for ministers because typically they're very caring and compassionate people that are there for one another. So Mm. that's not great. We have to learn how to establish. Well, we... We'll have to touch on that in our main time for coffee interview. And for our listeners, if you want to learn more about what Melissa has actually done as a minister, what she is doing now as an entrepreneur and how she got to where she is now, check out show notes to see if her main time for coffee interview has already dropped. So Melissa, three final espresso shots. What is the best career advice you've ever gotten? That when you're interviewing, they're not just interviewing you, you're interviewing them. For fit, right? And for values and for yelling in the back office and you sense that there's a toxic environment, run, right? Don't drive through these red flags. Excellent. Excellent. Here's a fun one. So what movies, if any, or Netflix, Amazon, Hulu streaming shows or books for that matter, do you think accurately depict this profession? Oh, geez, that's a tough one. (laughs) Oh, gosh, depict this profession. So it, it could be somebody who is a minister or a faith leader, or it could be just a book that you think has done a good job, in your opinion, of capturing what this work is like. Oh, it's such an anomaly. I'm trying to think. There was a movie about a pilgrimage in Spain, but I don't remember the title of that. Is it a documentary? No. Oh, okay. So it's a fiction, work of fiction. Work of fiction. Who was in it? Emilio Estevez. Oh, okay. Well, I'm kind of Googling it as we speak here. (laughs) Let's see if I can come up with it. So it's Emilio Estevez. Estevez, and it's about a ministry or what did you call it? Pilgrimage? Yeah. Pilgrimage. Oh, here it is. The Way. The Way. That's a good one because it's about soul searching and sort of forgiveness and hurt 
and connectivity. That's beautiful. That's very much about ministry. And, and it's a personal journey for every one of us. It's not going to look the same. So we will make sure to include a link to that in show notes. The Way with Emilio Estevez. Final espresso shot. What would Java junkies be surprised to learn about this profession? I think they would be surprised. At least I was surprised how much privilege people offer to reverence. I just thought I was going to leave any kind of esteem at the door and just go into hiding and be invisible. And it's really interesting the reverence people give to reverence. In so the, they put you on a pedestal, the amount of respect. And it's, yes. And, and to the point where right now, because I'm not affiliated with the church, I'm not using that title because of the projection people have with that reverend title that sometimes makes you inaccessible, right? People are afraid to swear or drink too much wine around you. And I happen to do both. Thank God. Cause I dropped I don't know if it was the F-bomb or something before we started this interview. So clearly I wasn't feeling reverential to you, Melissa. <laughs> I, I should have apologized. You know, I'm, I'm pretty uh, salty with my language at times. And I can be too. And my parents' friends, they're like, reverend. I said, listen, I need to speak the language of my flock. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Melissa, where... Can our listeners find you because you do grief counseling, not only for individuals, but also for companies? Correct. I have a website called Whole Person Conversations, all one word with an S, Whole Person Conversations, and also on LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect with people there. In fact, that's how we met. It is. It yeah. is. I saw, I saw your the way you were describing yourself. And I was like, oh my gosh, I would love to interview you. So I am so thrilled and privileged that you agreed to make time for coffee today with me and the T4C community. This has been great. My privilege and pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T4C. And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the coaching tab at time, the number four, coffee.org or text me at 202-236-5712. That's 202-236-5712. Thank you.